Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to call in, be part of the program or send a message through the KPL app chat. You can have your voice heard on the show. But we have a lot of breaking news to go through today. Uh, the show notes are out, joecunninghamshow.substack.com. You can find them there. You can subscribe to the show notes so you can get them in your email. Uh, and some of that I will go over today, but we have a lot of news to get to. First of all, uh, Lafayette High School locked down again today. They started in a shelter in place. Online threats became known to the school. They went into a soft lockdown and then into a hard lockdown as police searched the campus. They have cleared the campus. Uh, these is the end of the school day. I believe dismissal is going as per normal. But they have made an arrest. Lafayette, uh, Lafayette Police Department has made an arrest. Two juveniles have been arrested, one charged with two counts of terrorizing, the other charged with one count of terrorizing. Uh, so again, two students at Lafayette High School were arrested for making these online threats. So same thing happened today. A social media post from a throwaway account. Screenshots were sent around. Looked like via airdrop on iPhone. That was reported to the school. School locked down. And law enforcement investigated. Uh, this, this, is a, uh, uh, this is very good news. Uh, first of all, again, the response, the lockdown, the procedures worked. You also have to understand the, that the criminal investigations that go on here uh, these are taken very seriously. I mean, you're you're making a violent threat against people and faculty at a school. Law enforcement's not going to take that very lightly. Uh, so I'm not saying this is how the investigation goes, but this is the problem with with what these students did. Um, I mean, terror you know terrorizing is uh, a, a major major crime. But here's what happens. Somebody creates a throwaway social media account. They then screenshot what the violent post from that account. On an iPhone, you can change the name of your iPhone to whatever you want, and nobody would be able to recognize it unless they watched over your shoulder while you changed it. They take a screenshot, and then what they can do is they can find everybody who has their airdrop turned on. And they can send it out from this now anonymous phone to everybody. And people pick it up and they see the screenshot and they say, oh my God, somebody's making another threat against the school. And those people post it to their social media. They, sit, they, they tell a teacher, they tell the principal, whatever. School gets locked down. There's two problems, technologically speaking, for the person who's committing this crime. The first is the social media account. When you're when you're on a social media website, you aren't in control. You are not in control in this situation. Instead, these companies have your IP address. They have whatever email you signed up with. They can track you and law enforcement can get that information. There's also the fact of the airdropping itself. Airdrop is something you can only do within a certain radius. So if you go in and you figure out who got these first, if you figure out who got the airdropped first, you can, you can figure out who was in the vicinity 
in range of those people who got the initial airdrop, figure out who was there, and you can narrow it down. And schools have cameras everywhere. Kids are in classrooms, and if they aren't in classrooms, the cameras are catching them walking around the hall. It's easy to track down once you narrow it all down who was where and who was sending this out. So it's not like this is some major cyber threat that takes weeks or months to figure out. This is something that investigators can go in and find. And they did. We've got two students arrested now. But we do have this problem. At the same time, St. Martinville Junior High, according to reports, was evacuated for a bomb threat. In fact, I think that was uh, St. Martin Parish School Board trying to call me back just now. Trying to get with them during the break. But it's clear that there, there's so many kids, so many students who are making these threats, who are posting these threats online, who are calling these threats in, and it's a, to them it's a stupid prank. They don't understand that terrorizing, they don't understand that this crime that they're committing is actually very serious. It's not some harmless joke. You are making a life-shattering mistake. It doesn't matter how anonymous you try to make yourself. It doesn't matter if it's just for fun. The fact of the matter is you will be caught, and this is a serious offense. And law enforcement is taking it very seriously. There needs to be a come to Jesus moment. We had to figure out some way to sit the kids down and say, look, I realize you think this is funny, but look at the news reports around you. Look at the disruptions. Look at how much you are taking away from the school, from your community, when a school has to shut down, when all the law enforcement is called to one area. And you're now putting this major crime on your record. That's a major issue. And the kids don't seem to understand that. So once again, the breaking news of the moment, I think we either have it or we're about to at kpel965.com. There have been two arrests made and the two lockdowns at Lafayette High. Again, two students arrested, one charged with two counts of terrorizing, one charged with one count of terrorizing. Let's go ahead and take this break. We'll be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. We've got, uh, again, a lot of breaking news to go over. In fact, just got off the phone uh, with Superintendent Alan Blanchard of uh, St. Martin Parish. Just confirmed, yes, there was a bomb threat at St. Martinville Junior High. Uh, that was called in about 1230. Law enforcement did uh, arrive on the scene very quickly. Students had been evacuated under procedure. Law enforcement was able to get in and get out. They swept the school, found nothing. Students were able to get back in. Uh, and they were able to dismiss on time and regularly. Uh, so that is good news there. Like it when a threat is just that, although the number of threats is still very alarming. Again, Lafayette High had their second uh, lockdown, third, uh, their third online threat this week. Uh, Cecilia Junior High and Cecilia Senior High had, uh, had uh, increased law enforcement presence earlier this week because of an online threat against the school. They weren't locked down. And then we have this bomb threat. This is, 
increasing in frequency. And again, this this is largely a lot of kids who are just doing this to get out of class. They're, they're doing these pranks for whatever reason, and they don't understand the consequences here. This is a very serious issue, and there does need to be this come to moment, uh, come to Jesus moment with these kids. All right, your call is 232-1542 if you want to call. And we've got uh, Randall on the line. Hey, Randall, how are you today? Hey, Joe. Joe, I'll be quick to the point. I yep. know the juveniles are protected. You know, they can't have their names put out. I'm thinking maybe it is time to, mm-hmm. A, send a message to kids. Hey, I know old Joe Blow Smith. He got, you know, caught. If he got caught, they'll catch me. Yeah. And he's in a heap of trouble. That's well, just my personal opinion. I think it is time to start releasing the names. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting point. I mean, there there are a lot of legal uh, legal hoops to to jump through that, but as far as the public shaming aspect of it goes, I mean, I can tell you that by the end of the day today, every student at Lafayette High School is going to know who was arrested, and there is going to be a uh-huh. lot of a lot okay. of a lot of public shame um, just from you know the, mm-hmm. the school communities themselves are very small. And word gets out as they do. I mean, Lafayette is a big city, but it's, it still has that very small community feel where everybody is going to find out one way or the other. I could probably reach out to some old students of mine and they could probably tell me, you know, by the end of the week what they've heard and it'd be somewhat close to accurate. I mean, that's that's how all, that's right. that's going to be the thing. You're You're not wrong in that, hey, a lot of times we do need to make an example out of the people who are doing these things, even if they are kids. But I think the the very act of the arrest and the charges that are pending are going to be a very serious threat. But at the same time, this is increasing in frequency and a lot of kids still aren't getting the message. And it's not for lack of trying on law enforcement and school board's part. Oh, no, I don't blame them. Yeah. No, I, I, I yeah, I, I didn't think you were. I was just, it's, you know, it's it's a very complex situation. I mean, the the school boards and law enforcement they trained, especially over the summer after all the Uvalde stuff. They trained specifically for situations like this, and their training is being used for baseless threats, these pranks. And mm-hmm. that's not what it was intended for. Thank God they're responding in the way they are in case it is serious. But it's just it it is a tragedy all around. Right. I mean, look at this. Look at the. I'm sure they lost time, education time, mm-hmm. and just the you know cost of resources. I mean, I I, and, uh, so. I I've heard that you know after after the one a couple of days ago, uh, they, I mean, there were reports that kids were having the bathroom in buckets or in sinks because they weren't allowed to That's go to the bathroom under too. the under the lockdown. I had heard today that some teachers were pulling out buckets when the lockdown started. They're like, oh God, not this again. I yep. mean, it, it's, I mean, and um, now, now there's like, there's that, that whole culture of fear aspect. I was, I talked with somebody earlier and they're wondering about the, the desensitization part. And I hope to God yeah. we don't get there. I know law enforcement is going to continue to take it seriously. I know our school is going to continue to take it seriously, but the more and more it happens and it doesn't pan out. What about the kids? Do they get desensitized to yeah. it? All right. Well, I live in Jennings and I think it was Tuesday Jennings. Had a um, there was a note left in the bathroom, a threatening note. So you yeah. know, lockdown, sweeping that, and mm-hmm. you know, small town like Jennings, and that. So well, okay, Joe, thanks for letting me um, voice my opinion. Yeah, absolutely, anytime. Thank you for listening.
Thank you, sir. All right. You have a good one. 232-1542 if you want to call in and be part of the conversation. Yeah, uh, this is, you know, it's not, a, it's, you know, it's these small local stories. This is a, a news talk program. I talk a lot about politics and elections and things like that, but a lot of what drives politics and all these sorts of things are these social issues. And this is a big social issue. We have this cultural issue right now where our kids are now, like I said, kind of desensitized to this idea of, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and do this prank, make these violent pranks. Maybe they're serious. Maybe the online threats at Lafayette High were serious. Thank God nothing came of it. Thank God they were handled. But could you actually imagine that there's somebody out there writing some of these violent messages on social media for kicks? I mean, I can't. I've, I've written things on the Internet. I've, I've written I've written comments. I've, I've made I've written commentary columns. I've gotten violent threats from people on the left and from the right on the things I've said. I'm used to those online comments, but we as a society really are very much desensitized on it. And it's bleeding down to our kids at our at our kids level. This is a, a very, very precarious situation that we're in with our kids right now. And I'm very worried about where it's headed. All right, back to the phone lines. We've got Jim on the line. Hey, Jim, how are you today? I'm fine. Uh, you know, they say you can't release the names of the kids. Almost all education begins at home. Yeah. I think if the parents were named, that yeah. would make a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you do come to the same thing. If you identify the parents, you're basically identifying the kids. But um, I, exactly, it, it's man, I, I, I don't and know. I, there, there's got to y'all are right. There's got to be something does done that really and truly shows that, that this is serious and this does this doesn't affect just the prankster's life, the mistake they're making. It does affect their family's lives. Absolutely, if the kids don't get called out. And the parents do. I can bet you a lot of parents are going to tell their kids, don't you dare. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, absolutely. Man, this is this is nuts, though. We've had how many threats this week? We, we've had... This the, is number three, right? Three online threats at Lafayette High that resulted in two lockdowns. We've got a bomb threat at St. Martinville Junior High. We had an online threat against two schools in Cecilia. We had a threat written on the wall at a bathroom at Beauchamp, I think. Um, and that's just this week. That's just this week. I, good Lord. All right, Jim, thank you very much for the call. All right, I think we've got time for one more caller. Okay, let's, let's, let's go for it. Let's go ahead and get, squeeze him in. Hi, welcome to, uh, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who, who, who we got on the line? Oh, I'm sorry. Can you say that again, caller? Uh, name is Blaine. Hey, Blaine. How are you? Good. Yeah, I just wanted to say that it's a shame what these kids are doing. And like you said, they, they think it's a joke. Mm -hmm. But you have to let them know that it's not a joke. We need to start enforcing like some type of uh, community service work to where when they're not in school, you're out working. You have no more free time. Yeah. You know? They have to do something to where it'll be like, hey, you don't want to do this. I mean, you, you, we've got to set some type of example. I mean, you, I don't know if you could put them in jail or not, but 
something has to be done. I mean, there's plenty of stuff that can be done, like cleaning all the graffiti off the walls in Lafayette. I mean, something has to be done in order to say, I'm not doing it. It's not worth it. Yeah. You know? So, and I think that would, I mean, they do it for people with uh, DUIs and whatnot. Why not do the same thing to the kids for doing this? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Thank you very much for the call. We're about to have to take our break. Thank you guys for your calls. You can continue to call in, 232-1542. We're going to take this bottom of the hour news break. You can also send a message through the KPL app chat. When we get back, Hunter Biden might be in legal trouble finally. Let's talk about that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to call in, and be part of the conversation. All right. We, uh, we have uh, news coming from the Washington Post. And if they're the ones who were originally reporting it, uh, it is actually pretty serious, it seems like. Federal agency chargeable tax and gun purchase case against Hunter Biden. Uh, Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss, a Trump appointee, must decide whether to charge the son of the current president. That is... What the Washington Post is reporting, let's see. Federal agents investigating President Biden's son, Hunter, have gathered what they believe is sufficient evidence to charge him with tax crimes and a false statement related to a gun purchase, according to people familiar with the case. The next step is for U.S. Attorney, US attorney in Delaware, uh, a Trump administration holdover, to decide on whether to file such charges, those agents said. The investigation into Hunter Biden began in 2018 and became a central focus for then-President Donald Trump during his unsuccessful 2020 re-election effort. Initially, the investigation centered around Hunter Biden's finances related to overseas business ties and consulting work. Over time, investigators with multiple agencies focused closely on whether he did not report all of his income and whether he lied on a gun purchase paperwork in 2018, according to people familiar with the situation, who spoke on condition of anonymity to discuss an ongoing case. Agents determined months ago that they had assembled a viable criminal case against the younger Biden, but it is ultimately up to prosecutors at the Justice Department, not agents, to decide whether to file charges in cases where prosecutors believe the evidence is strong enough to lead to a likely conviction at trial. Uh, it looks like Attorney General Merrick Garland is saying we're not getting involved. The decision will be left up to David Weiss, the Trump-nominated uh, U.S. attorney. So that, for everybody who has wanted to see Hunter Biden charged with crimes, there's the update today that is breaking. It hit the news wires uh, a little over an hour ago. So that's the big national news story there. There's also another breaking national news story happened. I think the news came out right before the show started. I didn't even have time to put it in the show notes. Uh, conservative U.S. Senator Ben Sass, who at times butted heads with Donald Trump, but nonetheless maintained a stellar conservative voting record. I'm a Ben Sass fanboy, by the way. Uh, Sass will be resigning his position in the Senate. And according, uh, the initial reports were saying that he is pursuing a career opportunity in higher education. Uh, then a little while ago, uh, the Tampa Bay Times posted that the University of Florida's finalist for university president is Nebraska Senator Ben Sass. So my favorite college coach and my favorite U.S. senator are both going to be at... University of Florida. Stellar times. 
Uh, but this is a very interesting play. You know, Ben Sass is one that that Donald Trump wanted to see defeated, but Ben Sass had, you know, uh, Trump trashed Sass on many occasions. Uh, Sass eased up a bit. He got the Trump backing for re-election, but uh, I, I know behind the scenes, and, and I'm I'm telling you this from conversations I've had. I, I know some folks actually behind the scenes up there. Uh, Sass not a big Trump guy, and, but was an extremely conservative guy. He was also very fascinating in that he didn't. He he made sure that his family never moved to Washington D.C. A lot of families will move to Washington D.C. and then just have you know their their registered homes back home. But Sass regularly went back to Nebraska, and he would work jobs in Nebraska during his off time to stay. You know, I, you know, to stay as part of Nebraska, to be in Nebraska, to interact with Nebraskans all the time. He he, uh, he was an Uber driver on the weekends when he wasn't in Washington, D.C. He would work these regular smaller jobs and routinely interact with his voters in that way, which is uh, something you don't see. Sass had a really good, good team working for him. I'm very sad to see him leaving the Senate. Uh, that is a good conservative, often behind the scenes. He's not one of those loud, outspoken conservatives. He's somewhere. Um, he he's kind. He's got the intelligence, the policy intelligence, the constitutional intelligence of like Mike Lee, but he's very, very, uh, he's very, very quiet about it. I mean, he's he's he is an academic. He's a bookish type. Uh, he's not the type to be out there and be loud and all that. But this is a, a very fascinating turn of events in the U.S. Senate. I am immensely fascinated by that. I will also tell you that there is news here in the state. And this is kind of what I want to focus on. Uh, I'll probably have a few minutes here, but I want to come back to it after the break. There is a state Senate seat that is going to be the focus of a lot of conservatives and a lot of Republicans in the state. And it's in North Louisiana. I wrote about this at KPL965.com earlier today. The all-time winningest basketball coach in Louisiana is a guy named Mike McConathy. He has well over 600 wins in his 39 seasons as a coach. He spent 16 seasons with Bossier Parish Community College and the other 20-something at... Uh, 23 seasons at uh, at Northwestern State University, my alma mater in Natchitoches. McConathy is an amazing human being, deeply religious, very much tied to his community, beloved in his community. And he's running as a Republican in this seat. This seat is kind of uh, restructured from what it was. The previous holder of the seat is Louis Bernard. Uh, conservatives across the state attacked Bernard, who I've also known. For, I've known both of these men for all of my life. Uh, Bernard was attacked by conservatives because he did not, uh, he did not vote with Republicans uh, in the, I think it was the, the uh, universal carry law. I think that was one of the vetoes they tried to overturn. He didn't vote with Republicans on that. The problem is, uh, you know, I, I've maintained that one of the reasons Bernard made that vote is that there was no leadership in the Senate at the time. 
uh, they weren't really trying to whip votes all that hard. They just they just had the veto session in order to have the veto session. And so without the the right guidance or anything, he kind of defaulted back to what his district would prefer. His district is kind of a moderate Republican district. Uh, but here's the thing. Now in this district, because of the way it's been restructured, you have Mike McConaughey and a great guy, deeply religious, not sure how he is as a politician. He's never been a politician before, but he's in the same district now as Representative Alan Seaball. And Seaball is, uh, he's term limited in the House. He wants to run for this seat. He is running for that seat. And if you're a conservative in the state of Louisiana, Alan's the guy to go with. Which makes me glad I'm not living in Natchitoches right now because it would be very tough for me to make that choice one way or the other. But there's a very, very interesting dynamic in play in this race. If I were in that district, I would be telling the people who asked me about it, and some people from there still ask me questions on politics, they, this is the advice I would give them. If your concern is moving Louisiana to the right and trying to overcome all the nonsense that happens in our legislature session after session after session, you vote Alan Seaball. If you want somebody who is very focused on your communities and focused on representing your communities and your community's issues, which may not always align with the hard right, you vote with Mike McConaughey. Because Mike McConaughey is somebody who is deeply tied to his community. Seaball lives at the very fringe of that district. He lives right on the periphery of that district, the way it's been set up. And there are 10 parishes in this district. The parts of 10 parishes are in this district. Natchitoches is a major part of it. Bossier is a major part of it. Red River, DeSoto. These are all bigger parishes, both in terms of space and in some of them terms of population. McConathy has deep roots in both Bossier Parish and Natchitoches Parish, which make a big part of that district. And there are a lot. He is beloved. He is beloved. 100%. The people of Natchitoches love, he is a household name in Natchitoches. And people in Bossier still remember his time at Bipsy. It makes it very tough. Seaball can definitely win. He's got the experience as a politician. He's got, he's run and, he's run and won several elections. But there will be a very hometown feel for McConaughey if he runs in that district. He has said he's, all, he's been on the ground, he's been talking to people, getting a feedback about a likely run for that race. I want to take this break, and when we come back, I want to get a little further into this dynamic and kind of explain the situation here as I see it. Because I think it's a fascinating race for us to study as people who are concerned about Louisiana and conservatism in Louisiana. Let's take the break, and we will be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. 
if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. So I, I'm very, very fascinated. I say that a lot these days, but I, I am. I'm, I'm, what I like about what I'm doing now is I get to focus on a lot more of these local races. Because, uh, you know, before when I was teaching, I didn't have time to dig into that. I was, I was at school from 6.30 to 2.30, rushed up here when I had the show. And I could focus on the new stuff, the, the, the national stuff that hit my, my feed. I could look at the advertiser. I could look at the advocate. I could listen to bits and pieces of Moon Show. And I could pick up the statewide stuff. And some of the local stuff. But now I get a chance to really dig into to a lot of these elections. I have the time to do that now. And this one interests me. One, because it's back in my hometown. I'm kind of my home district. And two, this is, I think, one of the races where we're really going to see the new dynamic in Louisiana's Republican Party. I here is here is the lay of the land for that race. Here's the history of that race. In that district, you had uh, you had Gerald Long. Then you had Louis Bernard. That seat is open now. Louis Bernard decided he wasn't going to run again. You've got Alan Seaball and you've got Mike McConaughey. Like I said in the last segment, McConaughey is the guy you go with if the issues that you really care about are your local community issues. He has ties. I have nothing but respect for Mike McConaughey. And I could not tell you in this race not to vote for Mike McConaughey. He is a great guy. And he is, because of his ties to the communities, particularly those in that district, Mike McConaughey is the guy who will show deference to his community and best represent the local interests in that district. But if your concerns are the state... If your concerns are moving the state to the right, then you, you're more likely to vote for the staunch conservative, the guy who has bucked his own party at times to make sure that things get pushed to the right. And that's the type of guy I see. I mean, he's been on Moon's show. He has been featured at the Hayride. Statewide conservatives, they hear that name, they know the type of conservative you're going to get, that fighting type of conservative. But this district is not a far-right district. And I suspect that the not-as-far-right leadership in the state legislature favors a McConaughey to a Seaball. I suspect that. I don't know that for certain, but I suspect that. Maybe y'all have family that lives in that district. I don't know. Like I said, 
I'm glad I don't live there. And if anybody from that district asks me who they should vote for, I could not tell you. Because we do need a lot of fixes in the state. We do need a lot of conservative pushes in the state legislature. But our communities do need good representation. It's not all about bad news, just like it's not all about what happens in Washington, D.C. You have to be active. You have to be alive in your district. You have to be visible. You have to be seen. You need everybody to know that when it comes to the issues that plague your streets, your cities, that you have somebody representing those interests and they're not fighting the social conservative issues that are the big headlines across the country. And I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of people in Senate District 31 who want that type of representation. And I'm not sure that Seaball is going to be the guy that they go to for that because they've seen and they have heard him and they're not as partisan a district as, say, one of the Republican districts down here. It's just not. And it, it frankly pains me to see a good conservative politician go up against a great human being, not saying anything bad about Seaball. I hate to see that matchup because the partisan in me wants to see Seaball in the Senate. But the part of me, the bleeding heart for back home, would love to see Mike McConaughey representing the people of Natchitoches Parish, DeSoto, Bossier, Red River, all of those parishes in there. That's a very tough one. And I wish both candidates all the best. That's all I can really say, but I think it's a very interesting race to watch because that's the dynamic that our politics is going to be seeing more of. All right, y'all, 23 hours until the next Joe Cunningham show. In the meantime, you can reach out Joe P. Cunningham on Twitter, facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham show. Sign up for the show notes, joecunninghamshow.substack.com. Get the show notes and podcasts sent to you every day. I'll talk to you guys again real soon. Shannon is offsides next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.